Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, happy Mother's Day. I love the idea of everybody coming together, all of our different backgrounds, the different ways we were raised, the different influences in our lives to bring us to this moment and the role that mothers had in bringing us here today. For me, I, I think back to the influence and the teachings of my own mom and the things that she instilled in me, uh, that uh, the idea of, of being, being willing to be unique, to be myself. She actually gave me a bumper sticker to put on my first car that said, why be normal? That I, of course, put on upside down, which was, it was a Jeep. So at some point it was bound to, to turn over and be right side up, right? Um, she also instilled in me a sense of adventure, uh, being willing to try something new, to step outside of my comfort zone. She's living that out right now. My parents live in Hawaii now. They've lived there for about a month taking that big adventure. It's that kind of thinking that emboldened me from Florida to go to college in California, though I don't, didn't know anybody west of the Mississippi at that point, having that bold step. But she also instilled in me a lesson constantly to make sure you stop and look at the scenery as you're going along, that, that sometimes life takes time to get where you're hoping to go. But the phrase she always used is, the joy is in the journey not the destination. All the time she was saying that. The joy is in the journey, not the destination. Take time to look around and enjoy where you are, even if it's not where you want to be yet. And of course, perhaps most importantly, she instilled in me the concepts of humility, of kindness, of empathy, being able to look with the perspective of the people around you, of compassion, and that foundation of faith, which is what led me to be here today. Now, I know she's going to watch this service later on because it's like five hours earlier in Hawaii. So if you'll indulge me for just a second, thanks, Mom. Love you. Happy Mother's Day to all of you who are mothers biological, adopted. Perhaps you're a grandparent who stepped up to raise your grandkid. Maybe aunts or family friends that you just call aunt. The teachers, the youth leaders, all the different people, those amazing women who helped raise us. Happy Mother's Day. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for that foundation of faith that for so many of us was established by our moms. Lord, we pray that that foundation of faith would sustain us, that we could continue to build upon it and continue to be present with you. Lord, we thank you for this chance to worship together, whether here in this room or online. Lord, I thank you for the chance to share your message. Lord, let it be your message. Move me out of the way. Anything that I've written pales in comparison to what you expect and what you bring to this moment. And so I submit myself to your Holy Spirit, and I pray that we would all be willing to do the same. Speak, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. One of my all-time favorite hobbies is people watching. I love it. I'm one of those weird people that like at Christmas time, I love going to the mall and just seeing the chaos and absorbing the energy there. Maybe not so much the parking lot, but inside. I, I love people watching. I go to the zoo, I'm looking at the people. I go to the museum, I'm not looking at the exhibits, I'm looking at the people who are there and seeing these different lives intersect. I love it. I love this the little 30 second snippet you have in the midst of somebody's much bigger story. 
for Cassie and I, when we used to go to Disney World all the time, one of our favorite, or at least one of my favorite things to do, we'd go to Magic Kingdom. There's this one spot off to the left of Main Street. It's a little stoop. We'd go and we'd get a little snack. I'm partial to caramel apples. We'd get a caramel apple, and I, we'd sit there on these steps, and we'd watch as people walked up and down Main Street, and seeing their reactions, seeing their emotions, seeing as these stories were created for these families. Because the people getting there, it was their first time seeing the castle. They were excited. They were, like, ready to take on the world. And they were running into the people who were leaving, who were tired and their feet hurt, and suddenly they were a lot more broke than they were when they started the day. And seeing these two stories collide and just watching the people, and you can learn so much by just watching. And listening to our reading today, that's what I picture Paul doing in Athens as he's walking around this Greek capital, this bustling city, just observing, just watching people as they go about their lives, looking in the markets, looking at the vendors, looking into the temples and the religious locations, and just learning about the Greek people around him. See, at this point, Paul was on his second missionary journey. He was going around um, with Timothy and with Silas, and probably a couple other people. And just before this, they were in Thessalonica. That didn't go well. There was a riot. There was a whole thing in Thessalonica. So then they go on to Berea, and in Berea, things go well, but then some Thessalonicans show up, and that causes an issue. So uh, they stay behind, Timothy and Silas. They stay behind to kind of deal with that. And Paul says, I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to go on to Athens, and I'll wait for you. So basically... He's waiting for his friends, for his colleagues to show up. So he has all the time in the world. He's just kind of wandering, right? Kind of like a husband going to the mall and like, honey, are you done shopping? Okay, I'll get another Auntie Anne's pretzel and just keep walking, right? Just looking at everything. So that's Paul. As he's walking around Athens, as he's seeing what's going on, I, I as you guys know, had the opportunity to be in this exact city. I love that this came up in the lectionary just now uh, because being in Athens... It's, it's a fascinating city because it's, it's fairly modern, but then you'll turn the corner and there are these columns for the Temple of Zeus from 400 B.C. that are still standing there. There's the temple to, to Hermes, the messenger god. There's the temple to Hephaestus, the blacksmith god that's still almost entirely intact because the church actually took it over for a little while. And then looming over all of it is this mountain, the, the Acropolis, that's over the city. Pretty much anywhere in the city you can see this. And on the Acropolis is the Parthenon, the center of their government, the center of democracy, really, the birthplace of democracy. But then right next to it is the temple to Athena, hence Athens, right? And so this is the scene as you're kind of walking around Athens. Even in modern times, you can only imagine how much more so it was as Paul was going around. He finds himself at the Areopagus, uh, Mars Hill. It was basically a civic center, a place where people gathered where philosophers would come together and debate one another, share new ideas. And so going there, I was stoked. I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is the first time I'd ever been to like a Bible place, right? Going, this is, this is in the Bible. We're going to go and stand right where Paul stood. So I got some pictures. I've got some pictures. Uh, the first one is, are the stairs up to, you can see the stairs there. Paul didn't have the stairs and he had sandals. So I'm sure it wasn't a fun walk up there. But what I noticed is, is the, the graffiti and the stickers on the posts there. Um, this was pretty common throughout Greece and throughout Athens. Let's go ahead and the next picture. 
you get up to the top, and what you can kind of see, they had a little, you know, monument there. You can see that there were some stickers and graffiti on that as well. But then just above it, just above the Areopagus, this place where Paul preached, there is the temple to Athena and the Parthenon. Go ahead, next picture. This one just kind of shows a picture of kind of that, that little hill there. And I got to tell you, it was difficult to get these shots. You had to angle it just right because what we found as we were going there, I, I was so stoked. I was like, you know, we're going to this reverent place. I'm going to feel God in this moment. But it was a Friday night, and as it turns out, the Areopagus in Athens is basically the teen hangout spot. So the place was just loaded with teenagers, and they're all smoking and drinking and having a, a good old Greek time. And there's broken bottles everywhere, and they're playing music, and they're having picnics. And I'm going, well, this, this is not what I pictured. But then I realized that's probably exactly what it was like when Paul was there. Right, this civic center where people are coming together, uh, this gathering of people. The next picture is just me standing uh, on the hill here. But I I'm reminded that this place where Paul found himself, it wasn't some courtyard. It wasn't a temple. It was just the civic hill next to the temple. And, and I found it so interesting to think about those Athenians and what Paul experienced and what he chose to speak about in that moment. He said, I realize these people are, are pantheistic. They don't believe in the triune God. They don't believe in Jesus, um, but they are religious. And it's funny because the word that he uses for you are very religious in the reading could also be translated to superstitious. And that's what we found. The Greeks were not terribly religious people when it came to things, but they certainly had their superstitions. In fact, when we were uh, driving around in a cab, we noticed that there's graffiti everywhere. And we asked the cab driver, hey, what's the deal with all this? He said, oh, you know, the Greeks, we have our pol political issues, and there are anarchists that go around, and they're, they're tagging everything. And I said, I noticed that there aren't any, any tags on any of the historical monuments in the temples. He said, oh, no. Well, they wouldn't do that. That's bad luck. And I was like, kind of anarchists are these. So <laughs> but that idea of, of that they wouldn't do that, that there's still this respect, that there's still like this, this superstition. And, and I think Paul is hitting on this, trying to speak to, you guys are looking for something bigger. In fact, he notices that they have this shrine to the unknown God. In other words, they are so focused on making sure that they please all the gods, Hephaestus, Zeus, Athena, Hermes, all these different gods, they want to even cover the bases that perhaps they forgot one. And so they said, well, in case there are any that we forgot, here's a shrine for that one so that he doesn't cause an earthquake or whatever's going on. So Paul comes and he says, this is a situation and I need to speak into it. That's the mission that we have as the modern church, to speak into a situation. He recognized that there was some urgency and he saw an opportunity. I'm reminded of a story that I just recently read about a, a family. It was a, a mom, her dad, and then her five-year-old son that were hiking along in California when suddenly a mountain lion jumped out of the bushes and grabbed hold of the five-year-old son. And it said the mom didn't hesitate. She jumped down and pulled the mountain, li mountain lion, pulled the mountain lion off her child and started fighting the mountain lion and pushed him off and it ran away. And when she was asked, were you nervous? Did you hesitate? She said, not at all. My child was in danger. I, ha I had to step in. She saw that there was an urgent need and she had to do something. As I consider the church, 
and what we are dealing with. There is an urgent need. However, I read recently that, that a fool knows many things, a wise person asks many questions. So I'm just going to ask some questions. Do you believe that Jesus is the way to salvation? Do you believe that the love and sacrifice of Jesus is what wins us salvation? That's for you to ask yourself. Do you have anybody in your life who doesn't know Jesus and thus doesn't know salvation? The answer to that one is yes. What are you willing to do to fix that? Do you believe Jesus is the only way to salvation? Do you have people who don't know salvation? What are you willing to do to fix that? Because this is an urgent issue. Like we're not, yes, so you see a mountain lion on a five-year-old, you're going to save him because there is a bodily issue, but this is something so much bigger. This is something with eternal consequences. If you truly believe what we say every single week here, this is urgent, and we're just hoping and praying for the opportunity. Here on Mother's Day, maybe that someone is your kid. Maybe you're looking and saying, you know, I did everything I could. I raised this kid up. We went to church as often as we could. We, I took him to BBS. I read the Bible stories. We, we would say our bedtime prayers, maybe not every night, but as much as we could. And it just seems like they have, they have maybe fallen away. They're not going as often. I, I don't know. And you have these questions about their faith. Or maybe worse yet, you don't have questions, you know. And it breaks your heart. What are you willing to do? to fix that. See, we as Christians need to put ourselves to the side. Our biases, our preferences, we need to, to focus solely on what God has told us to do, and that is to love one another, to love him and to love each other. Maybe you're thinking, listen, Pastor Tyler, you don't get it. I have invited them to church so many times, and, and it's always one excuse after another. Oh, it, it's too early. I'm too busy. It's boring. I disagree with some of the things the church has done. They're always throwing excuses, and I keep inviting them to church, but I just can't get them here, okay? I don't know. When I was listening to that Acts reading, it sure sounded like Paul said that God isn't found in the temples made by hand, that, that God doesn't just dwell in the man-made temples. And last I checked, while we like our building, it's not divine, it didn't just pop up. This, this place is made by hand. So maybe rather than inviting people to church, go to them like Paul did. Go to them to where they are, to, to enter into their situation, to speak their language, to learn a little bit about them. There's an author, Dan Clendenin, who says this. At our worst, we Christians have isolated and insulated ourselves from culture's mainstreams. We tend to be inward-looking, self-absorbed, self-important, and cloistered instead of engaging people at our modern-day Mars Hill. At our best, there are Christians who have been just as comfortable living, learning, and sharing the gospel in the marketplace of ideas as in the ministry of the church, in bars and boardrooms as well as in basilicas, in university lecture halls as easily as in church fellowship halls, in an outward centrifugal movement modeled after Paul at the Areopagus. Believers had welcomed the opportunity to meet real people where they live, work, and think in order to gain a hearing for their strange ideas about repentance, rebirth, 
and resurrection. We have a challenge as the church to go to them, to go out into the world, to meet people where they are, because that's what God did for us. God left behind the comfy confines of heaven to enter into this broken world with splinters and heat and hunger, to enter into this world with sin and sorrow so that we can be set free from this world, so that you and I get to call ourselves Christians. He came to where we are to set us free. So we have the challenge of leaving behind our cozy confines and going out into the world to the Areopaguses, to the bars, to, to the schools. You're thinking, oh, oh, preacher, that's easy to say, but that's difficult to do. You're asking me to go and, and share my faith. Remember, you're looking for urgent need. Yeah, that's there, an opportunity. And when that opportunity comes up, I've got some, some practical bits for you here, okay? Here are some things that you can do, okay? Because, again, easy to say, difficult to do. Here are some things. First, ask questions and listen to the answers. Ask questions, and then don't just wait for them to say the wrong thing so that you can jump in and talk. Actually listen to the answers. What did Paul do? He quoted the Greek philosophers. He walked around among the people, and he said, hey, I notice you're very religious. I'm going to speak in your context. In fact, even when speaking about God, what did he reference? Natural creation, the very thing that they were focused on with the pantheon. He spoke their language. Here are some questions that you can ask. What do you believe? What do you believe about how life started? They may go to the Big Bang. No, 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 I'm talking about life. How is it that we have spirit, soul? How is it that we are alive? What do you believe about what happens to you when you die? Genuinely ask the question and genuinely listen. Perhaps there'll be an opportunity there. Ask the question, listen to the answer. The second advice that I can give you is lead with love, not law. Don't come in there condemning. Don't come in there and say, hey, your lifestyle isn't what the Bible talks about. That'd be like if you were trying to get me to go to a fancy restaurant, and I didn't want to go, and you're like, no, listen, when you go, you got to wear a suit and tie. That's in the, and I'm like, no, why are you leading with the rules? I'm not excited about that. No, instead, if you're trying to get me to a fancy restaurant, what are you going to tell me? The food is amazing. You're going to talk about how great the experience is. You're going to list out some of the things in the menu and get me want to do that. You don't lead with the law. You don't lead with condemnation and say, oh, listen, buddy, we're all about closed-toed shoes. You got to do, no, no, no. You lead with love. Lead with what you love. Lead with what gives you hope. Lead with what makes you want to be here every single week. This, this should be more than just a place where you are a member. It's not just a clubhouse. It's not just an organization for people to join. This is something that should change lives. And if it hasn't changed your life, I'm going to challenge you to evaluate yourself and evaluate your faith. Talk about what you love and how God loves you. Help them to understand what the gospel is. And then the last practical advice, be patient with the Holy Spirit. Because even if you're the most eloquent orator, even if you think you have all the answers, you've studied apologetics inside and out, you have a, a response for everything that they say, if the Holy Spirit isn't working through you, it ain't going to work. 
if I'm up here preaching all day long, I'm just doing a TED talk if the Holy Spirit's not doing anything. The Apostle Paul, without the Holy Spirit, he was just a raving lunatic who loved run-on sentences. The Holy Spirit is doing the work, and that sets us free to say, yeah, God, you gave me an opportunity, and I said something, and I don't know if it worked. That's okay. The Holy Spirit's pretty good at picking locks. Doors may slam in our faces as we think that we're taking a step forward. It's okay. Be patient with the Holy Spirit. It's not up to you. But we have a responsibility. We have a challenge as the church to leave behind these cozy confines every now and again and go out to the Mars Hill of the world. Go out to the car circle. Go out to the gathering of people. Go to the water cooler. Go to the places where people are and speak to them. Recognize the stories of the people around you. What brought us all to this moment. I want to leave you with the Great Commission from Jesus himself. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, to him. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, not just the people who look like you, talk like you, dress like you, behave like you, all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And oh, by the way, what did Jesus command? Love God, love people. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age, no matter where you go. No matter how scary the adventure may be, no matter how difficult the conversation may be, know that God is with you. And maybe you don't get to where you're hoping to go just yet. But know that God is with you. <laughs> and the joy's in the journey, right? Amen.